everyone. Welcome back to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location, Belmont, Massachusetts. My name is Brian. I pastor that location, and it's good to talk to you again. It seems like every day there's another story of someone saying something that gets them into big trouble. And we all know what it's like to say things we don't mean or don't want to say and to have our words get us into trouble as well. How is it that even though we get older, the tongue is something that's still so difficult to control? As we continue to walk through the book of James, Justin Joseph does a great job preaching a sermon talking about what James says about the power of the tongue and how you and I can learn to control our tongues for good. It's an important message, so I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you listen closely, because I believe God has something he would like to say to you. Good morning again. Welcome to everyone. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Justin. I serve on our preaching team here at Mount Hope. Uh, Some of you may, based on the way we're dressed this morning, just call me Brian with a slightly better tan is probably what you might want to call me. I don't know how many of you noticed, but we're dressed the same this morning, and Obviously, no phone calls were made for that purpose this morning, but if you watch people, you can sometimes pick up little things about them, right? We, We believe we're people that if we watch other people, we can start to observe and learn a little bit more about them. I am a notorious people watcher. I do this all the time, and I don't know about you, but I feel like I can learn more about people if I just study them, watch them. Part of it is being nosy. Part of it is being curious. I just watch people. Sometimes if I go to a grocery store, from the minute I get out of the car in the parking lot to the minute I get back home, I'm just watching people, partly observing them, and if I'm honest, partly judging them at the same time. There are days, as soon as I walk out of the car, I'm watching. Did that person who just went back to their car with their groceries leave the shopping cart in the spot, or did they put it back where it was supposed to go? I walk into the store, and I start making judgments about everyone around me and what they're buying and what they're doing in the store. I watch to see, wait, what's that person putting in that shopping cart? I'll look around and I'll say, look, uh, you're putting romaine lettuce in your shopping cart. You know, romaine lettuce was recalled this week. And you know what else doesn't get recalled? Cake. You should totally go with something else. It's this constant feeling of I need to judge you and make observations based on what I see when I'm around you. But at the same time, we also believe that we can learn more about a person as soon as we hear what they say, not just watch what they do. And we believe we can actually make better judgments based off of that. If you think about it, in that same grocery store setting, I could probably learn more about a person based on the arguments they're having on their phone while they're in, a, in an aisle. I can, base, I can learn more about a person based off of how they deal with the cashier or how they speak to a bagger. If they're, if they're rude to them or if they ignore them, I feel like I can tell a lot about a person based on what they say. We live in this culture, in this society, where we truly believe that what a person says matters. And based off of what they say, we can make decisions about that person. And this morning, we're going to look into a passage of Scripture where that is a huge part of what the Bible says about our own lives, that what we say actually matters. There's a gentleman named Matt Buckland who, a couple of years ago, you may have read this story in the news. He was head of talent acquisition for one of the largest venture capital firms in all of the United Kingdom. And so Matt Buckland was going to work that morning in London, driving through the, uh, riding through the tube, riding through the subway system of London, 
And as he is getting on, as the stop comes, a gentleman gets onto the train and pushes Matt aside, thinking that Matt is in his way, pushes him aside, swears at him, and using a lot of profanity, tells him to get out of the way. Matt continues on his ride to work that morning, gets to his office, and a secretary comes to his door saying that the gentleman that you're supposed to interview at 9.30 this morning is here. And of course, as the gentleman walks through the door, it is the same person who cursed at him on the train who was interviewing for a job that morning. Needless to say, Matt was not impressed with this gentleman because of the words that this person had used in that moment told Matt everything he needed to know about that specific candidate. Words matter. The way we say things, what we say matters because it says a lot about who we are. If you think even in this past 12 months, in the past year, in the past week, how many times has something someone said got them into trouble? How many times has a tweet gotten someone into trouble? How many celebrities have had to apologize in the past two weeks or three weeks because of something they said out loud or something that they typed or wrote to a public? Words matter. What we say matters. Now here's what often happens is that we think words matter because we believe we can learn a lot about a person based off of what they say. Now, if you know, uh, some of you know that I teach over at Boston University in the communication college, and so much of what I do every day is built around this idea of words, about what people say, what companies say, and how they respond during difficult times. One of the most famous cases that my students are often told to study is the case of BP oil. If you remember in 2010, a very famous incident where the Deepwater Horizon explodes and BP sends millions and millions of gallons of gasoline into the Gulf of Mexico. If you remember that specific case, what made it so famous was, uh, was not just the oil spilling, was also the way BP responded to that case. It was considered very callous, very un, un, there was no heart behind what they were doing. They would tell everyone that they were sorry, but their actions didn't always match up with what they were saying. There was a time when Tony Hayward, the CEO of BP, would be on television every night, and he would be talking about the cleanup efforts and what they were going to do. Tony Hayward, who probably hadn't slept for days during that crisis, who was tired, he was full of stress and under so much pressure in the moment. He was once asked by a reporter from CBS News about how long BP would be staying to help with the cleanup. And at one point, the reporter asked him, do you know these people just want their lives back? There's 11 families who lost a loved one and they just want their lives back. To which Tony Hayward, in the heat of the moment, responded, I would like my life back too. Now, if you think in that moment, it was terribly received. In fact, this was a new crisis that BP had to deal with immediately after the oil spill. Now, they let Tony Hayward go. There was a lot of problems that took place because in the eyes of the millions of people watching at home, this company not only spilled a lot of oil, they said the wrong thing after they spilled the oil. Because in all of our minds, in all of our hearts, words matter. What you say matters. And when we turn to Scripture this morning, we're going to see James talking about why words matter. And it might not be the reason you might think that they matter. So if you want to grab a Bible and from the seat in front of you, we're going to be turning to the book of James this morning. And it's towards the back of the Bible, right after the book of Hebrews. Uh, you'll see it before the book of Revelation. You'll, you'll come to this small letter from James. I'm going to be reading from chapter 3, James chapter 3. We'll read the entire chapter together. 
James chapter 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We will go ahead and ignore that verse. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. We believe that words matter. What you say is who you are. We truly, truly believe that as a society. That's why even when a person says something by accident, we fully believe that that's who they really are because words actually matter. Now, when we come to a passage of Scripture like this, James takes 12 or 13 verses to describe how powerful this three-ounce muscle in our mouth actually is. He takes the time to describe how many forests are set on fire by this small tongue that's in our mouths. What types of wars have been started? How many families have been destroyed? What kind of strife has been sown between people simply by what has been said? James takes the time to describe how powerful the tongue is. But here's the temptation in a chapter like this. To look at it, to see that I need to clean up my words. And if I clean up my words, I'll be right, is the feeling that we often get. And I hope you'll take a minute today to ask yourself this question, is it more than just my tongue that's messed up this morning? Is it more than just what I say that's at fault here today? So as we dive into this passage of scripture, I hope all of us sitting here will take a minute right now to just think, what have I said this week? If there was a running tape recorder in my life from this past week, what would it have captured? 
What did I say to my family members, my friends? What did I say to my coworkers? What did I say to my children? What did I say out loud? What did I type? What did I tweet? What did I post? What did I say this past week? And I hope you'll keep that in mind as we dive into this passage of Scripture. You see, here's what James is really saying. He's not just saying that your tongue makes mistakes. That's not what he's saying. He's not just saying that we sometimes curse or gossip or use idle words or we say things that we're not supposed to or that are inappropriate or we tell bad jokes. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying that deep down there's a problem in all of us, an issue that a lot of times we ignore simply because we don't know where to look. He says there's a battle in our hearts every single day. A battle where one side has this thing called bitterness and envy and selfish ambition and pride working in our hearts on one side. And on the other side is what he calls heavenly wisdom. He says it's pure and selfless and considerate and it loves others and it loves God and that's at work in our hearts on the other side. And every day we wake up and one side starts a battle with the other side. And every day our hearts are trying to be the battleground for this battle between envy and strife and jealousy and consideration, consideration and peace and joy going to battle against each other. And then James says there's one way to find out or there's a main way to find out who's winning in this battle. He says if you want to know where your heart is, Listen to what you're saying out of your mouth. What comes out of your mouth will be the best test of what's happening inside of here. If your heart is overflowing with bitterness and envy and selfishness and pride, you will hear it in the words that come out of your mouth. Your words will be filled with bitterness, envy, pride, and selfish ambition. But if your heart is overflowing with the love of God, the wisdom of heaven as he calls it, your words will be peaceful, your words will be considerate, they will be joyful, they will be reconciling words, they will be words of love. And there's this battle going on in each of our hearts. And I ask you this morning, based off of what you've said this past week, who is winning this battle? Because your words are the best test of your heart. What comes out of here is the best test of what's winning or what's going on in here. Jesus understood this. He says it in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He says like this. He, he, he repeats to his disciples, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings up evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And pay attention to this. It says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Out of the abundance of the heart, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So this week, if you found yourself angry and spewing anger out of your mouth, if you found yourself deceptive and deceiving other people, if you found yourself gossiping, if you found yourself lying, if you found yourself saying inappropriate things, then the problem is not necessarily with your tongue, it's with your heart, that there's something deeply broken and wounded and that that battle that's going on is being won by bitterness and selfishness and ambition and pride that instead of the other side were love and peacefulness and consideration should be living. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. There is this connection between the mouth and the heart that scripture talks about extensively. Think about what we witnessed this morning. When those three young men entered these waters and were baptized and you watched those videos, they're not just videos. 
They are testimonies. They are public proclamations that Jesus is Lord. And so these young men entered these waters and took an inward faith and they made it external in their lives. They proclaimed it to all of us. Why? Because what comes out of the heart matters. It says there like this in, in Scripture. It says, if any man believes in his heart and confesses with his lips that Jesus is Lord, if th- there's this connection between what we say and what goes on inside of our hearts. The psalmist puts it this way, let the, let, the, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. There's a connection between what we say and what goes on in our hearts. So I ask you this morning, what is overflowing from your heart? James doesn't think of it as just a word problem. It's not like we can just break out a swear jar and every time that we mess up, we drop a dollar in and that's all that it takes. He says that there's something innately wrong, innately flawed with our hearts if our words do not match up with what we say we believe. He says it's about your essence. Think about some of the words he uses. Can a fig tree produce olives? Can can a grapevine produce figs? He says, can a freshwater spring produce salt water? Can a salt water spring produce fresh water? In other words, you are meant to do what you are meant to do. You are going to do what you're meant to do. If you think about these ads, you've probably seen them for, for Snickers, the candy bar. You, it, they, they have this tagline. You're not you when you're hungry, right? There's these taglines, and you'll see these ads that they'll have out there. You're not you when you're hungry. And they have these clever little plays on that. In the same way James in Scripture is telling us, if your words don't match up who you proclaim to follow, you're not you. You're not being you. You're not serving the purpose you were designed for. You are a fig tree that's producing olives then because you are not doing what you were designed for. If you are hearing jealousy and envy and pride and selfish ambition come out of your mouth, that means somewhere deep down you've gone wrong in your heart and your heart is overflowing with those feelings. Words matter. And this is why the question all of us should ask ourselves, what do my words say? What do my words say about who I am and who we are? What do those words say? Those words are saying that, look, you are a selfish, ambitious, prideful person, then what we need to change is not our words. We need to change our hearts. We need to draw closer back to God and let our hearts be overflowing with God so our words reflect what we believe deep down inside. Some of us will come in here this morning thinking, if I speak a little better, I'll have accomplished what's being said today. And James says, no one can tame the tongue. No one can control the tongue. But what we can do is give our hearts so fully to God that his love overflows onto our tongue. That's what we can do. How have we gotten away from what we are supposed to be? How have we gotten away from those things that God has designed us to be? Because what we say, what does what you say say about who you are? In the same way, we have to ask a second question. What does what you say say about whose you are? What does what you say say about whose you are. Because here's the truth. Every word that we utter reflects not only on us, it reflects on someone else at the same time. If I call myself a follower of Christ and my words are filled with pride and jealousy and selfish ambition and hatred and deceit, what does that say about this Lord that I'm following then? Let's put it this way. Every time you hear a child, uh, maybe in a store, in a public place, every time they say something disrespectful or inappropriate or they talk back to their parents, what's the first thought that goes through your mind? 
what is wrong with his parents, is what we'll say, right? How did the parents raise this child this way? And we will immediately think of those words in light of the person that they represent, in light of their parents. For many years, I, I was working in New York, and part of my career, a lot of it was spent serving as a spokesperson for a, for a large technology company based out of New York. And so part of my job was to go out to different cities, different countries, and stand into, in rooms filled with media and reporters. And I would have to answer tough questions about our latest line of products, our services, new announcements that we're making. And I'd have to go and talk to people representing the company that I was a part of. I was 24, 25 years old immature, I don't want to pretend I'm mature now, but I was, I was definitely immature, and I would go to these different places, and I remember my boss would pull me aside before I would go out onto the stage, and he would warn me, he would tell me, he would say, you know, I, I know you can do this, but I also know you have a tendency to tell jokes that you find funny. Keep the jokes to yourself this week. Keep them to yourself, because today you are going out there and representing this brand. And every word you say represents this brand. And we don't want stock prices dropping. We don't want employees leaving. We don't want customers stopping to buy our products because you decided to go out there and be funny today. So go out there and do what you're supposed to do. Say what you're supposed to say. And then I'd go out there and try to do my job after all that pressure was just dropped on me. This is what all of our lives should look like every day. The words you speak, the words I speak, are not just Justin's words. They're the words that represent something so much bigger than Justin. There's something so much larger and greater. And if my words are filled with pride and selfish ambition and anger and deceit and, and hatred, what does that say about the God that I proclaim to serve? And each of us have this responsibility that what I say says something about whose I am and who I belong to. I think of it like this, that the book of Proverbs puts it this way that the power of life and death is on the tongue. Every day, every word you speak, the power of life and death lives on it. Ask yourself this question. How many words do you think you speak every single day? Now, it's different uh, for men and for women. You can read into that all you want. But for, for women, an average, uh, an average man speaks about ten to 12,000 words every day. An average woman speaks about eighteen to 20,000 words per day. Read into that what you want. I don't know what that means. But you see that there's somewhere between ten and 20,000 words being spoken every day from your mouth. Ask yourself, what do those words say about the God that you serve? The power of life and death lives on your tongue. If you are speaking life into someone else, then those words will represent the God who gave you life. Think about it this way. Nuclear energy. Nuclear power has the power to give life to cities and to power an entire country using nuclear energy. But at the same time, nuclear energy can destroy an entire country, destroy an entire city in seconds. The power of life and death lives on the tongue. And every word we utter says something about the one we represent. I love how Pastor Mark Sorensen puts it. He puts it like this. What drives your mouth is your heart, and what drives your heart is where you find your identity. If you walk into your workplace tomorrow morning, and you are driven as a selfish, ambitious person who just wants to climb the corporate ladder, your words will reflect that, because that's where you find your identity. 
But if you walk into your workplace tomorrow morning knowing that my job here is important, but that I represent someone so much greater while I'm here, your words will represent that because your heart finds its identity in Christ. So this morning I ask you, do you, not only, do you recognize that your words say something about you, but your words say something about whose you are this morning? I think the greatest example of this is found in Jesus. In all of history, no one's words more matched their heart than Jesus Christ. Think about this for a second. What were the words that Jesus spoke in his time here on earth? In three and a half years of ministry, we have hundreds and hundreds of different phrases and statements that Jesus had delivered. If I ask you this, think about the last statements Jesus made before, before his death on the cross. Seven statements are captured in Scripture, seven things that he says on the cross. And if you have time today, take a look at those seven statements. Seven things that he said upon torture and upon the, the, the notion of death, an imminent death on that cross under the world's greatest weight that he was carrying in that moment, Jesus spoke seven words. Tell me what his heart represents when he says those seven words. Words like this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What does that say about Jesus' heart? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. People who were beating him, spitting upon him, plucking his beard out, nailing him to a Roman cross, he looks at them and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He looks to a thief and he witnesses about the love of the Father to that thief and tells the thief that truly you will be with me in paradise because truth was overflowing out of the heart of the Savior. He looks at his own mother who is standing below him and he looks upon his disciples and asks his disciples to care for his mother upon his departure because his heart was overflowing with love and concern for those who were around him. Even his final words, when he utters, it is finished. He's solely focused on the mission of his father as he's on that cross and he says, it is finished, meaning the work that I was brought here to do is done because my mission was to bring glory to the father, to accomplish his will and here on this cross, I've been able to do that. It is finished. His heart was overflowing with the things of the father, overflowing with love for his mission that God had called him to and because of that overflow of his heart, his mouth uttered words that represented that. So I ask you this morning, what do your words say about you? Do they say that I'm on mission for the Father or do they say that I'm on mission for myself? What do your words say about whose you are and who you represent? Do they say that he is a good God, a loving God, a caring God, a prayer answering God or do they say that, you know what, this guy believes in God but his life just does not match up with what he says? Your words matter. The tongue is powerful. It's a spark that can start a fire, but it also contains the power of life upon your tongue. And so as you go this week, I know the temptation is going to be, I need to watch my words. But I want to correct you this morning, my friends. It's not your words that you need to check. It's your heart that you need to check. Is your heart right with God? Because if your heart is right with God, your mouth will be the best test of it. And this morning as you go from here, ask yourself throughout the week, do those words represent the God that I represent? Do those words make me out to be who God wants me to be? And if there is something that's not matching between your words and who you say you are, then it's not your words you need to fix, 
It's your heart that you need to fix this morning. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up as we close out our time in worship and in prayer this morning. Life and death is on the power is in the power of the tongue. Life and death. Every word we utter matters. But it's not the words that ultimately matter, it's the heart that issues those words that really matter. When we started out today, I asked you to check what you've been saying this past week. And some of you are probably feeling a little guilty about some of the things that you said. Some of you feel like, oh wow, I really did say some cruel things to someone. Or I did say some things that I wasn't, I should not have said. First of all, there's forgiveness in this place. There's forgiveness with God. But just as important is that it's not your words necessarily that is the problem. It's your heart that's the problem. And there's not only forgiveness, but there's reconciliation in this place this morning. There's an opportunity to draw back to God and invite him back in. And say, God, I know I have let pride and deceit and envy and bitterness take over. I want to get rid of those things. I want to push down those things and I want to let your love overflow out of my heart. If that's a decision you'd like to make this morning, I invite everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that. And if you've never made that decision before, if you've never said, God, I want you to live in my heart, and if you want the joy that those three young men had when they entered into this water this morning, that invitation is open to you today. Jesus loves you. He loved you to the point that as he lay dying on a cross, he thought about you and he thought about me. He loves us. And that love overflowed in every word that he said on the cross. And that love is still there right now in your heart. For all of us sitting here this morning, and if you're saying to yourself, wow, I know my words don't match up with what I pretend to believe, what I claim to believe. You want to draw closer to God this morning, there's an opportunity to do that as well. Can you give your heart back to God? God, I'm tired of saying things that I know are not right. God, I'm tired of being this person that, that says things out of anger, that lashes out at people close to me, that, that speaks out of bitterness rather than speaks out of love. I'm tired of being that person. There is no swear jar here this morning. There is no easy fix of the tongue, but there is a fix of the heart, and his name is Jesus this morning. If you feel the desire to give your heart back to Christ this morning, we would love to have that conversation with you. Please come see Pastor Brian or me or any of our leaders after service today. We'd love to have that conversation with you. For the rest of us, let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you would help our hearts be healed of the brokenness that's within God. God, every place where bitterness and envy and strife and deceit and jealousy and pride have eaten away at our hearts and forced our words to be full of deceit and pride and selfishness. God, I pray this morning you would come in and let your love flood our hearts, that this week we would speak your words, Lord God, that we would speak out of love this week, that we would speak words of healing and peace and consideration to those around us, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us an ability to gauge where our hearts are through our mouths. God, I pray for healing in those areas throughout this day and throughout this week. 
Be glorified, Lord Jesus. Be lifted up in our hearts. Be lifted up in our words. Be lifted up in the earth around us, Lord God. And we thank you for your presence this morning. I pray for healing and peace in the hearts of your people. And let it be seen in the words that we speak every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's rise to our feet and worship the Lord together as we close. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E dot O-R-G, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Belmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again next week.